Learn the most advanced recruiting techniques. Land the most desirable talent. Launch your company towards massive success. This is the Higher Power Radio Show with Rick Gerard. Boom! Interview qualification is a two-way street. So each individual brings a unique perspective to every interview conversation, yet most interviews focus on what you can do for me almost entirely from a skills perspective. So people want more of a what's in it for me before they join your company. Today's quote, though we have desires or bold goals, for whatever reason, most of us don't think we can achieve something beyond what we're qualified to achieve. Any idea who said that, Mr. Greg Tarusian? You got it right this time. <laughs> is that Simon Sinek? Yeah, it's Simon Sinek. Second time on the show is a charm, right? Yes. Yeah, got it. <laughs> got it in plus, one. Plus, I talk to you quite a bit. I'm Rick Gerard. Welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. Our mission is to help entrepreneurs and hiring managers avoid costly hiring mistakes. We do this by identifying a specific problem and providing proven solutions to enable your company to win the right hire. We share insights from top-performing rebel entrepreneurs, disruptors, and industry experts like our guest today, Mr. Greg Tarusian. He is the founder and managing director of Elevate Hire. So Greg founded Elevate Hire after more than a decade in the talent acquisition space, having previously worked for startups, globally recognized brands, and recruiting agencies. He believes that recruiting and retaining talent is the key to having a successful company. So Greg is an expert in qualifying talent for organizations, which has led to the successful hires for many clients in a variety of industries, which is what makes Greg a perfect guest for today's show. Greg, welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show today. Thanks for having me again. It's great to have you. So we're going to cover a couple of things. We're going to talk about qualification. What is it? What are the types of qualification? And then we're going to actually give you a plan of attack on how to effectively qualify people. Sound like a plan? Great plan. So when I'm doing research for the show, of course, I came up with the Google definition of what candidate qualification is. The definition, which I thought was really appropriate, is a quality or accomplishment that makes someone suitable for a particular job or activity. Agree or disagree? I would agree. I would say it's more than a specific quality or a specific accomplishment, but yeah, definitely along those lines. But notice it doesn't say skills. No, it doesn't say skills. Oh, (laughs) defining moment. So let's talk about qualification because when you and I talked prior to the show, we talked about different types of qualification. So give me your lowdown on what are the different types of qualification? So I guess it, it goes to hand in hand with the type of recruiter or the experience that you have at qualifying or interviewing, right? So there's one, the basic type, which will get you so far, which is checkbox right? Just tick box qualifications, pretty standard yes or no answers, yes or no questions. Like, Uh, do you have five years of this? Literally. Yeah. Yeah. Just requirements, kind of like requirements focused. There's no real two way in it. There's nothing open about it. You can't really get under the skin of the person, really understand like true motivations and the, the breadth of their experience. Right. And it's kind of doing the bare minimum, you know, Sure. So that's that's one type. I have personal experience with that. You know, my one of I my think first, we all do. Yeah, one of my first that's, jobs in recruiting was a contract tech recruitment, and it was there was about four questions like, "Can you work in this location? Will you work for this daily rate? Are you available and interested?" And that was it. And they were like, "Don't spend any more than five minutes on the phone with this person." So you can imagine the drop off rate is pretty high when that's all you're. That is super super transactional. It's uh, so transactional, yeah. and you can imagine why you get candidates go and in a world where employee retention is an important Uh thing it's a really stupid way to do it it's terrible 
from experience, you learn. And then there's the other way, which is a thorough qualification. I like to call it a thorough qualification, which is just the basics of what we do, you do and I do now on a daily basis, right? So in that respect, you need to really have a clear understanding about what the position is that you're really looking for. So before you qualify a candidate, you really want to have a thorough understanding about what role you're qualifying them for. And then they clarify the likelihood of their ex acceptance of that role within this conversation. You can actually gauge their level of interest, the, their seriousness in taking a new role and the likelihood that they're actually going to accept when they get a decent offer. And this is not a five to 10 minute conversation. It's definitely not a five not to 10 minute. Not even close. Yeah. Let's talk about checkbox. To me that. and you, yeah. it seems so silly, but this is what a lot of people do. Oh yeah. And it just seems natural. So I have a need. I need to make sure that I get somebody who fills that. What are the characteristics of checkbox recruiting? So let's give the audience a four example. Checkbox recruiting. Okay, you may have, it's it's very one-sided, as we mentioned already. It's a quick call. It's very surface level. There's no real open questions. There's no real divulging of extra information. You don't really get much. You don't really know about that person after that. And you, you sometimes see it from teams or recruiters or even individuals that are really, really stretched with time. They're like, I'm going to do this in 15 minutes. Just give me back-to-back -back calls. I'm going to fly through these candidates. I'm just going to ask the key things that I want to know you know, nothing more. And then I'll decide if they're moving on to the next step. And here's the dangerous part of that is when you get to the end of the process, now you're trying to build a relationship oh, with yeah. somebody. And if you don't build a relationship with somebody in the beginning, because look at recruiting hasn't changed that much. No. It's the same kind of sloppy method a lot of times. Mm -hmm. It's just throwing shit at a wall and see what sticks. Literally. Hoping that something sticks. I wanted to use that quote, but I didn't know if I could swear, so I, <laughs> I held back. I did. <laughs> Guilty. <laughs> that being said, it's throwing shit at a wall and seeing what sticks. And the problem is that once somebody's interested, mm -hmm. then they start developing a relationship. And what's dangerous about that is that you've started in a transactional mode. Now you have to continue. It's it's almost impossible. The odds yeah. are stacked against you to create a relationship. Right. And a solid recruit, someone with experience, will know that regardless of if this person's going to be right and take the role or even get to a final step, you're constantly doing a pre-close on this person, right? You're gauging their interest and then selling the role back to them and you want them to sell it back to you along the way. And that's multiple conversations. It's not a five, 10 minute thing. No. And if you've done, if you had that cold one-sided approach from the beginning, and like you said, after the fact, trying to create that relationship, you, you're basically setting yourself up for failure. Like how, are you, how is that gonna work? Totally. Your drop-off rate's gonna be so high. And so many recruiters beat their head against the wall because mm -hmm. things fall through at the end. Right. When you get to the end of the process, nothing should ever fall through. No. I don't know about you, but I have a really high close rate. Yeah. And the reason why I have a really high close rate is because I get to know people. Right. There's a pretty high likelihood that when I present somebody to an opportunity, they're in alignment mm -hmm. with the company values, the trajectory, trajectory. <laughs> of the role. Yeah. I mean, there's meat there. There's substance there. Mm -hmm. yeah. And you can't do that in a 15-minute conversation. Definitely not. We're talking about qualifying people. What is important about qualifying people up front? Why is it important that people do a thorough qualification? For several reasons, right? So as a recruiter, you want to gauge the level of interest, as I mentioned, in multiple things. One, the opportunity that you're about to present to them. Does that match up with what they're looking for for their next role? Does it match up with their level of experience? With all the factors that come into looking for a full-time position, the location, the trajectory, the industry, all of that stuff. Yep. You also want to, in line with that, is gauge the level of certainty you have that they will take the role if you can get them what it is that they need for their next opportunity. And very important for the client and the hiring manager is you want to assess them thoroughly for this role, right? 
as a recruiter, your pass-through rate should be low. Like we probably speak to, I don't know, it, depending on what search we're doing, but maybe 10 times the amount of candidates you actually submit to your client, right? Unless you, you know, sometimes they don't know what they're exactly Yeah, so I have for. an ongoing search right now. I've talked to 42 people and I've submitted two. There you go. So yeah. even even higher, like yeah. 20 times. So yeah, that that's really what you want to be doing, right? It's not a numbers. It's not throwing shit at the wall, right? You no. want to be thorough with it, make sure it's right. And then your success rate will be higher in turn. And if you're a recruiter, the worst thing you can do, I, I hear recruiters complain all the time about like my hiring managers don't get back to me. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't respond. Well, you've created that. Yeah. If your hiring manager does not respond or they're not getting back to you, you've created a that situation where they, they don't trust you. Yeah. Your emails, your your submits are now noise to them. Yeah. They're like, oh, I'll just look at it later and get back if for some reason this person is suitable. And right? I say it all the time, hope is not a strategy. No, definitely not. <laughs> it's a very bad strategy. It's definitely not. One point that I will make though on the thorough qualification, I mentioned earlier, you know, you need a solid understanding about the role that you're actually looking for. Once you're skilled at doing a really good candidate qualification, any conversation you have with a candidate doesn't have to be against a specific role. You may get an opportunistic candidate come to your inbox or someone refers them now that you're skilled at doing a good call you have these really open conversations you really dig into what they they need and what they're good at and what they're looking for from the next role you'll be able to just find the right thing for them or something else will come across your desk and you know like hey i've spoken to this person i already know with a certain level or a level of certainty that they're right or they're going to be interested now it's it's very open you know they're in your back pocket and you don't have to start from scratch yeah and Again, that's a 45-minute to an hour conversation where... Or multiple. Yeah. Where, quite frankly, you've invested the time into somebody, they're gathering the information, you're gaining evidence Mm -hmm. to support whether or not that person's going to fit. Definitely. Early in my career, I used to get, well, why do you think this guy's good? Like, I don't know. He's got a job on his resume. Yeah, yeah, right. You know? But that's what I was taught in uh-huh. most Key people. Who, yeah. <laughs> I remember my old boss used to say, it's buzzwords and bullshit. Yeah. Just, if the buzzwords on there, send it over. I'm yeah. like, Okay. So I had no clue for probably the first five years of my career, it was just spam out resumes and hope that something happened. Yeah, and that's not unique, right? That's what no. a lot of people are trained on. And that's the way I said when I went in, similar sort of thing. But then you see from experience, if you really want to go to the next level, like what am I missing here? Why, why is this drop-off rate so high? Why is this person not responding to my calls? I've got them what they want, right? Now they're they're disappearing on me. So. Exactly. All right, you're listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. I'm Rick Gerard. For our podcast listeners, we're going to take a quick educational moment from our sponsors. Well, actually check out what we do at stridesearch.com. You'll find additional content, resources, and information on how you can book me to speak at your next meeting or conference. Our guest today is Greg Terusian. Greg is the founder and managing director of Elevate Hire, and we're talking about qualification. Now, qualification is also a two-way street. By the way, when you're talking to candidates, they're qualifying you. They should be, for sure. (laughs) Well, most of them are now, today. We mentioned earlier in the show, recruiting really hasn't changed that much. It tends to be cookie cutter, but the people have. And you have to evolve those people that you're trying to recruit. It's not a company market. It's a candidate-driven market right now. They're a lot more savvy, and they know they've got resources like Glassdoor, they've got, they can do their own research, they can find hiring managers themselves if they really want to. People have access to information they didn't have beforehand. So you as a recruiter should be doing the best job for both candidate and client. What should determine whether or not you should call somebody and, and qualify them? That's a great question. Yeah. So if I'm a hiring manager or 
in-house recruiter or wherever it may be, I'm going to look at this person's profile. Depending on the role, you know, they, you might be looking at their GitHub if it's a, a tech role as well as their LinkedIn or their resume. Most often than not, it's going to be the resume or LinkedIn. You want to see that their career trajectory is there, the longevity of their employment is there, if this is a full-time role and if it's important to you as a client. you, I think first and foremost, you have to decide what's important to you as an employer. Do you mind that they've worked in various different companies in the last two years and you know had short stints if it's a project management role or something with a long development life cycle probably a red flag like they haven't seen it through right or they've worked in a consulting company or they've been a contractor is that important to you or not you what you would just want to assess the likelihood that this person's a good fit just eyeballing sure right and that goes into industry right as well well when you're talking about linkedin profiles too i like to find the linkedin profiles that are the crappiest ones mm -hmm. because the crappiest ones are usually the busy people yep. they don't have time to update their linkedin profile they've either just got their title yeah. and they've been there for six years and they haven't put their promotion on there or something like that sometimes they don't even have their title mm -hmm. they're also what managers need to or hiring managers need to understand that they're also the hardest people to get in touch with mm -hmm. right so if they're like well i can find all of these people it's like yeah but because they don't update their linkedin it means that they're not on their linkedin right they're not going to accept your request they're not going to respond to a message or whatever so you have to be a bit more creative about how to get their contact information or reach out to them good yeah yeah and we've talked about on the show uh, different ways to do yes, that but, yeah. yeah so as i mentioned longevity of their career and of the roles that they've had term of employment and then the trajectory as well to show that this person again depending on your organization do you want them to be driven? Do you want them to want to move up the ladder and take on more responsibility? Or are you happy with someone being in their focused role, sitting in a corner and just cranking away at work, being an individual? How important are recommendations? Personally, I think recommendations are important. But to your point, the people who are the busiest, who don't maybe see the, the value or never have in LinkedIn, they're not going to have recommendations. But I like to look at them if they're there. Yeah. If they've had maybe five five years ago and nothing since then, you just want to look at what, what's their career been doing since then, right? Or if they've just got one. But again, I don't think a lot of professionals update their LinkedIn page. They don't, they no. don't. It's just, it's a nice data point if it's there. True. Right? Seeing what other people say about someone is, is very valuable. So you mentioned the checkbox process. How do we avoid having the checkbox process? What do we need to do to get out of that mindset and move yeah. to a more effective qualification method? So first and foremost, I would say your mindset for the call needs to change, right? If you're a recruiter or hiring manager, you're about to do this call, this qualification call, you don't want to go into every call hoping that this is going to be the one. Because you can lie to yourself, right? You can say, I'm just going to ask the bare minimum and it's likely that this person will fit that, right? You can, like, oh, great, all right. As, as maybe, Hope is not a good strategy. Right, as an yeah. inexperienced recruiter or someone, you're like, I just need to get more candidates through to my client. I just need to get them more resumes. And you'll end up lying to yourself. And like we said, the drop-off rate's going to be high. And by the way, that mindset is so wrong. It's so wrong. It's not about more. No. And you got to teach your hiring managers, if you're a recruiter, that that's not the right answer. When I go in, that's one of the biggest hurdles that I have with a lot of companies. They want to see candidate flow. I'm like, look at you're going to see four people from me and you're going to hire one. I go, I don't submit a lot of candidates. And when I do, they're on par. Yeah, it's My job volume. is to save your time, not to have you wasting a bunch of time on bad interviews. Bad interviews, bad resumes, or them jumping on LinkedIn themselves to look for people or whatever it may be. You're like, let me do all of that work. Or do that yeah. with them. Yeah, you can do that with them yeah. and show them what the pool looks like. But if like. you're an entrepreneur and you're doing this yourself, if you're a DIY guy, right, yeah. and you don't have the money to do it, go on LinkedIn, do what we do, 
and you can call me or Greg and we'll teach you. Yeah, yeah. Super easy. Teach you, yeah. <laughs> My biggest hurdle is chasing people down. It's taken me on average seven to 10 calls mm -hmm. or points of contact to get somebody to respond. Yeah. And, you know, I've had people, I tell the story, took me 31 days to get this one guy on the phone that I placed mm -hmm. last year. Yeah. A lot of it is educating your client as well, right? Yeah. The, I'm not just going to send you everyone. There is a ramp. Does take a while to get it. But once you get to that point of the initial foundational work of a search has happened, you'll start seeing candidate flow, but then it's not going to be 10 resumes a week that you don't who wants that yeah right you have one opening you need to hit the mark with that just set the expectations that just hold your bar high yeah in this market you should absolutely hold your bar high 100 percent. yeah 100 percent. so the mindset first what would be the next thing to do yeah so the mindset and you know you really want to ask those questions that are going to unearth what you really need to know you don't again lie to yourself don't fool yourself ask the hard stuff that is going to make you reject a candidate right okay. or let them opt out yeah let them self-select out you don't lie about what you have yeah let be super super transparent you know totally and set that bar high it needs to be a conversational call but in that you know it needs to be open questions let them divulge the information let them give you all the information that they possibly can, right? It will really help you determine if this person's a non-starter. And then listen carefully, be strict and be honest. Yeah, and listen with the intent to learn not to respond. Yeah, yeah, right. and active listen, right? Repeat it back to them, say, so let me understand, this is what you meant by that, or this is what you did. You know, I used to train my interviewers when I was in-house for their first call, like we don't want, my drop-off rate's gonna be pretty low but my pass-through rate is going to be low as well right from the amount of interviews i have but i don't want to bring people on site so their first interview is going to be really thorough some hiring you probably dealt with this if they're looking for a software engineer for example they want to do pair programming they don't want any fluff they don't want to have a conversation they're like i need 30 minutes we're just going to do tech so but that's not all this is going to be right somebody's not going to join your job yeah. based on that but then spend 30 minutes more and then let's decide if this person's right to even go to the next stage. Because what happens is they do purely take, they come in and they're like, this person's a beep or whatever you might be. Or they're <laughs> like, if within the first hour, they say, can we walk them out? They're not right for the role. So, well, you would have known that if you spent a little bit more time with them and you were a bit more thorough in the first call. Sure. Right. So sure. let's keep that going throughout the process. So we know when we get on site, it's more likely we're going to offer this person and then they're going to accept. Conversational calls and asking open questions and then listen, be honest. Let's talk about what framework we need to put in place for an effective qualification structure. So entrepreneur, let's hook them up so they can basically go, okay, I need this, 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 and this, and then now I'm ready to go interview. So first and foremost, we did this on our last episode. I know you've done several times since yeah. then. You need a clear understanding about the need. The and why. Role. Yeah. Your, and the why. The why you're hiring this person, the actual need, the problem they're gonna solve what that looks like now and in the future. That's crucial to qualifying a candidate because otherwise you're just qualifying them for no reason. Right? 100%. So that's first and foremost. Then you need to be comfortable leading this conversation so you can get the questions answered that you need to get answered. Comes with experience, but if you know the need and someone's going off on a tangent, you can steer it back, take them to where you need to go. A good tip is I would look into behavioral interviewing techniques. Mm -hmm. yep. I don't like situational. I don't know if you use those, but situational can be fudged way too much. Mm -hmm. But the interesting thing about behavioral, and I would match behavioral questions to your core company values. Yeah, Super important. Judge people based on how well they fit into your environment. 
and then let them provide evidence to support it. Yeah. So really, when you ask somebody a question, dig into it deep. Mm-hmm. Get into the why. Like, why did you do that? Behavioral interviewing questions, I think, are brilliant, but they're totally underutilized. They are. And people confuse situational with behavioral. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they definitely Situational do. would be, hey, how would you handle this situation? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Those are hypotheticals. Right. You want, you want them to give you their reference back to the experience they've had and positions that they've been in yep. and how they handled it. Yeah. And even if it was a long time ago and they did it wrong, just say, well, how would you deal with that now? Because that shows self-reflection yeah, they and screwed awareness. Up, right. Yeah. How would you approach it? The learning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Or pointing the finger. Yeah. You know, well, I did it right, but someone else, it was their fault. Yeah. The blame game is huge. And we should talk about looking for those signs because those are key indicators that you want to really step back and pause yeah. and question whether or not you want to hire somebody. Mm. Because hiring somebody because you need somebody to fill this role ASAP is not a good reason to hire. No, definitely not. So next piece. As we mentioned before, the conversational and open questions so this person can really say what you need them to hear. And then I really like to, and I always do and have for years, is have a form, sort of like a template for what my questions are going to be and my calls are going to be, how they're going to be structured, the questions I need to be answered. But don't read from a script. Absolutely don't. Again, this comes with experience. Or, or if you have a script, yeah. internalize it. Yeah, it comes with experience. Like I'm saying, you use it as your template and you can bounce around on this and you're, you want to be in a very open conversation. Think about it. I hate to use this. Analogy, See, I dating, use a script, right? so I think I think you and I are like diametrically opposed on this. <laughs> oh, you I use lo- a set script always. I, I use, yeah, I'm pretty standard template. Okay. I use a script. Yeah, I don't. I know how my call is going to start. I know how I'm going to end it. And between it, I know all the questions I need to be answered. So, so I frame the call. So you are kind of using a script. I, uh, yeah. You're using a... I'm, I'm using a, a template of everything that's going to get spoken about right. and that I need to find out. But I don't want someone to... Because I used to at first. I used to do a script and I found like, oh, this is very robotic and I don't feel like I'm being genuine. And I also want to give them space to talk about stuff that's not on my bullet points or not in my list. And you get so, it's so powerful. You get so much from that when someone goes off on a, something you haven't asked about because they sometimes lead the call and you're like, whoa, this person is... Uh, yeah, don't let them take ownership. And again, red and, flag, right? Yeah. And especially if they don't have any awareness of that. A phone conversation, if you get somebody talking, they're going to think that you're having a great conversation because you're listening, but they're going to tell you so much in that conversation. So I use the pain, desire, impact piece. Those are my qualifiers. Yep. So I just try to make sure that I'm in alignment with those three pieces while I'm going through the conversation. If something's off, then it gives me the opportunity to kind of let somebody know. Yeah. Be transparent and say, like, this isn't going to be right for you. Yeah, I've definitely, I don't want to say rejected candidates, but advised them that the role that they're looking for doesn't align with this one. Yeah. And giving them advice on other things. But likewise, doing this type of qualification, I've ended up hiring an SCP of software engineering by interviewing them for a completely different role and saying, whoa, what you're looking for and the experience you have and the level of knowledge you have is this is way below you what we actually talk to you about let's talk about this role and it's been successful but you would never know that if you go in with a checkbox right so very true yeah all right we're just about running out of time what are two or three key takeaways that we can give the audience that can plug into their business right now so all around this qualification call and form so build your own one understand what you really need in there and stick to it use it as your template questions that I really like that unearth a lot. Why are you looking for a new role at this moment? And just leave it there. Let them tell you and be super open about it. What are you looking for from your next role? Again, this is before you've even told them anything about it. You just want to get 
That's clear. Key. Yeah. Before you tell them anything Before. about your role, find out the information. Yeah, because you could just you're onto a non-starter if they're looking for something completely different, right? What? Let mm. them tell you, and then talk me through your current role and responsibilities. You can tell so much from that the person's role, their involvement, their overall understanding of their craft, just by hearing them speak about it freely. Give them the floor, take notes, and, and again, listen very carefully, you know, because that is going to be an area that you can dig into deeper to clarify, like, you're saying we a lot. What did you actually do? Like, my team did this. Yeah, but what was your part in that? Because on paper, it looks like you did a lot. But when you dig into it, it's like, oh, you, you were just part of a 10, 15 person team right all right with that mic drop boom <laughs> hit the cover off the ball all right greg thanks for your time investment today and i want to welcome you once again to the higher power radio community because you've been on a prior show but what are some of the best ways in which members of our community can reach you maybe you have some content you might be able to give to them or yeah check it yeah out. feel free to connect with me on linkedin reach out on there greg tarusian t-o-r-o-o-s-i-a-n bit of a mouthful. I am on Twitter as well, just at Tarusian. Those are probably the two best ways. Or you can email me, greg at elevatehire.com. Be happy to share qualification calls, forms, and if there's availability that works out, we can have a chat. Perfect. Well, I want to thank our listening audience for tuning into this week's episode of Higher Power. A quick thanks to our team, our engineer Decker, our producers, Andrea Ballin, Shanti Rael, and Ayla Gerard. If you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe, review, and share. We're listening and we love your feedback after all the shows about you. You can join the Higher Power Radio community at Higher, that's H-I-R-E, Power, P-O-W-E-R, Radio, R-A-D-I-O.com, or you can drop me an email at rick at stridesearch.com. Hey, tomorrow we have a special LinkedIn Live episode we're going to be doing with Scott Hamilton. He's the president and CEO of Executive Next Practices Institute. So tune in tomorrow. I'm your host, Rick Gerard, and you have been listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. Aloha. Thank you for listening to Higher Power with Rick Gerard on OC Talk Radio. 